Part two of Book Ten of Laws by Plato, translated by Benjamin Jowett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeffrey Edwards. Part two of Book Ten. Athenian Stranger, do you remember our old admission that if the soul was prior to the body? the things of the soul were also prior to those of the body cleinias certainly athenian stranger and characters and manners and wishes and reasonings and true opinions and reflections and recollections are prior to length and breadth and depth and strength of bodies if the soul is prior to the body Cleinias, of course athenian stranger in the next place must we not of necessity admit that the soul is the cause of good and evil base and honourable just and unjust and of all other opposites if we suppose her to be the cause of all things cleinias certainly athenian stranger and as the soul orders and inhabits all things moving every way, must we not say that she orders also the heavens? Cleinias, of course. Athenian stranger, one soul or more? More than one. I will answer for you. At any rate, we must not suppose that there are less than two. One, the author of good, and the other of evil cleinias very true athenian stranger yes very true the soul then directs all things in heaven and earth and sea by her movements and these are described by the terms will consideration attention deliberation opinion true and false joy and sorrow, confidence, fear, hatred, contentment, and other primary motions akin to these, which again receive the secondary motions of corporate substances, and guide all things to growth and decay, to composition and decomposition, and to the qualities which accompany them, such as heat and cold, heaviness and lightness, hardness and softness, blackness and whiteness, bitterness and sweetness, and all those other qualities which the soul uses, herself a goddess, when truly receiving the divine mind and disciplining all things rightly to their happiness, but when the companion of folly, doing the very contrary of all this. Shall we assume this, or do we still entertain doubts? Cleinias, there is no room at all for doubt. Athenian stranger, shall we say then that soul is the nature which controls heaven and earth, and the whole circumference, the principle of wisdom and virtue, or that which has neither wisdom nor virtue? Suppose that we make answer as follows. Cleinias, how would you answer athenian stranger 
if my friend we say that the whole path of heaven and the movement of all that is therein is by nature akin to the movement and revolution and calculation of mind and proceeds by kindred laws then as is plain we must say that the best soul takes care of the world and guides it along the good path cleinias true athenian stranger but when the world moves wildly and irregularly then the evil soul guides it cleinias that again is true athenian stranger of what nature is the movement of mind that is indeed a hard question my friends to determine wisely and therefore i ought to assist you in framing the answer cleinias very good athenian stranger then let us not answer as if we would look right at the sun making ourselves darkness from excess of light i mean as if we were under the impression that we could see with mortal eyes or know adequately the nature of mind it will be safer to look at the image only cleinias what do you mean athenian stranger let us select of the ten motions the one which mind chiefly resembles this i will bring to your recollection and will then request you to assist me in giving the answer cleinias that will be excellent athenian stranger you will surely remember our saying that all things were either at rest or in motion cleinias yes athenian stranger and that of things in motion some were moving in one place and others in more than one cleinias that is true athenian stranger of these two kinds of motion that which moves in one place must move about a centre after the manner of a top and is most entirely akin and similar to the circular movement of mind cleinias what do you mean athenian stranger in saying that both mind and the motion which is in one place move in the same and like manner in and about the same and in relation to the same and according to one law and order and are like the motion of a top we invented a fair image which did no discredit to our ingenuity cleinias that is very true athenian stranger and the motion of the other sort which is not after the same manner nor in the same nor about the same nor in relation to the same nor in one place nor in order nor according to any rule or proportion may be said to be akin to senselessness and folly cleinias that is most true athenian stranger then after what has been said there is no difficulty in distinctly stating that since soul carries all things round either the best soul or the contrary must of necessity carry round and order and arrange the revolution of the heaven cleinias and 
Judging from what has been said, stranger, there would be impiety in asserting that any but the most perfect soul or souls carries round the heavens. Athenian stranger, you have understood my meaning right well, Cleinias, and now let me ask you another question. Cleinias, what are you going to ask? Athenian stranger, if the soul carries round the sun and moon and the other stars, does she not carry round each individual of them? Cleinias, certainly. Athenian stranger, then of one of them let us speak, and the same argument will apply to all. Cleinias, which will you take? Athenian stranger, everyone sees the body of the sun, but no one sees his soul, nor the soul of any other body, living or dead. And yet there is great reason to believe that this nature, unperceived by any of our senses, is circumfused around them all, but is apprehended by mind only, and only by reflection do we ascertain what I am about to mention. Cleinias, what is that? Athenian stranger, if the soul carries round the sun, we shall not be far wrong in supposing one of three alternatives. Cleinias, what are they? Athenian stranger, either the soul which moves the sun this way and that resides within the circular and visible body, just as the soul in us carries us about every way, or the soul provides herself with an external body of fire or air, as some affirm, and violently propels body by body, or, thirdly, being incorporeal, she has some extraordinary and wonderful guiding power. Cleinias. Yes, certainly, the soul can only order all things in one of these three ways. Athenian stranger. And this soul of the sun, which is therefore better than the sun, whether taking the sun about in a chariot to give light to men, or acting from without, or in whatever way, ought by every man to be deemed a god. Cleinias. Yes, by every man who has the least particle of sense. Athenian stranger. And of the stars too, and of the moon, and the years, and months, and seasons, must we not say, in like manner, that since a soul, or souls, are the causes of all of them having every sort of excellence, those souls are divine, whether they are living beings, and reside in bodies, and in this way order the whole heaven, or whatever be the place and mode of their existence. And will any one who admits all this ventured to deny that all things are full of gods. Cleinias, no one stranger would be such a madman as to do that. Athenian stranger, and now, Megalos and Cleinias, let us offer an alternative to him who has hitherto denied the existence of the gods, and leave him. Cleinias, what alternative? Athenian stranger, either he shall teach us that we were wrong in saying that the soul is the original of all things, and what followed upon this, or, if he be not able to say anything better, 
then he must yield to us and live for the remainder of his life in the belief that there are gods let us see then whether we have said enough or not enough to those who deny that there are gods cleinias certainly quite enough stranger athenian stranger then we will say no more to them and now we are to address him who believing that there are gods believes also that they take no heed of human affairs o oh, thou best of men this is what we will say to him in believing that there are gods you are led by some affinity to them which attracts you towards your kindred and makes you honour and believe in them but the fortunes of evil and unrighteous men in private as well as public life which though not really happy are wrongly counted happy in the judgment of men and are sung or spoken of by poets and prose writers draw you aside from your natural piety perhaps you have seen impious men growing old and leaving their children's children in high offices and that shakes your faith you have known or heard or been yourself an eye-witness of many monstrous impieties and have beheld men by these criminal means from small beginnings reaching the pinnacle of greatness and considering all these things you do not like to accuse the gods of them because they are your relatives and so from some want of reasoning power and also from an unwillingness to find fault with them you are led to believe that they exist indeed but have no thought or care of human things now that your present evil opinion may not grow to still greater impiety and that we may if possible use arguments which may drive away the pollution of error we will add another argument to that which we address to him who utterly denied the existence of the gods and do you megalos and cleinias answer for the young man as you did before and if any difficulty arises in the course of the argument i will take the word out of your mouths and carry you over the river as i did before cleinias very good do as you say and we will help you as well as we can athenian stranger there will surely be no difficulty in proving to him that the gods care about the small as well as about the great for he was present and heard what was said that they are perfectly good and that the care of all things is most entirely natural to them cleinias he certainly heard that athenian stranger let us consider together in the next place what we mean by this virtue which we ascribe to them surely we should say that to possess mind belongs to virtue and the contrary to vice cleinias certainly athenian stranger yes and courage is a part of virtue and cowardice of vice cleinias true athenian stranger and the one is dishonourable and the other honourable cleinias to be sure athenian stranger and the one like other meaner things is a human quality but the gods have no part in anything of the sort 
Cleinias. No one will deny that. Athenian stranger. But do we imagine carelessness and idleness and luxury to be virtues? What do you think? Cleinias. Certainly not. Athenian stranger. They rank under the opposite class? Cleinias. Yes. Athenian stranger. And their opposites would fall under the opposite class? Cleinias. Yes. Athenian stranger. But can we suppose that one who takes care of great and small will be luxurious and heedless and idle, like those whom the poet compares to stingless drones? Cleinias. And the comparison is a most just one. Athenian stranger. Surely God must not be supposed to have a nature which he himself hates. And if anyone dares to say anything of that sort, he must not be allowed for a moment. Cleinias. He must not. Of course not. Athenian stranger. Should we not on any principle be entirely mistaken in praising anyone who has some special business entrusted to him? He having a mind which takes care of great matters and no care of small ones. Reflect. He who acts in this way, whether he be God or man, must act from one of two principles. Cleinias. What are they? Athenian stranger. Either he must think that the neglect of the small matters is of no consequence to the whole, or, if they are of consequence, and he neglects them, his conduct must be attributed to carelessness and indolence. Is there any other way in which his neglect can be explained? For, surely, he will not neglect anything, whether small or great, from any impossibility of taking care of all, or be careless about those things of which an inferior being, who has not the power, whether God or man, might be unable to take care. Cleinias, impossible. Athenian stranger. Now then, let us examine the offenders, who both alike confess that there are gods, but with a difference. The one saying that they may be appeased, and the other that they have no care of small matters. There are three of us, and two of them, and we will say to them, in the first place you both acknowledge that the gods hear and see, and know all things, and that nothing can escape them, which is matter of sense and knowledge. Do you admit this? Cleinias. Yes. Athenian stranger. And do you admit also that they have all power which mortals and immortals can have? Cleinias. They will, of course, admit this also. Athenian stranger. And surely, we three, and they two, five in all, have acknowledged that they are good and perfect. Cleinias, assuredly, Athenian stranger. But if they are such as we conceive them to be, can we possibly suppose that they ever act in the spirit of carelessness and indolence? For in us inactivity is the child of cowardice, and carelessness of inactivity and indolence. Cleinias. Most true. Athenian stranger. Then, 
not from inactivity and carelessness is any god ever negligent for he has no cowardice in him cleinias that is very true athenian stranger then the alternative which remains is that if the gods neglect the lighter and lesser concerns of the universe they neglect them because they know that they ought not to care about such matters what other alternative is there but that they have no knowledge cleinias there is none athenian stranger and o most excellent and best of men do i understand you to mean that they are ignorant and do not know that they ought to take care or that they know and yet like the meanest sort of men knowing the better choose the worse because they are overcome by pleasures and pains cleinias impossible athenian stranger do not all human things partake of the nature of soul and is not man the most religious of all animals cleinias that is certainly true athenian stranger surely we say that all mortal creatures are the property of the gods to whom also the whole of heaven belongs cleinias certainly athenian stranger and now whether a person says that these things to the gods are great or small in either case the gods who own us and who are the most careful and the best of owners are not likely to neglect us there is also a further consideration cleinias what is that athenian stranger sensation and power are in an inverse ratio to each other in respect to their ease and difficulty cleinias what do you mean athenian stranger i mean that there is greater difficulty in seeing and hearing the small than the great but more facility in moving them and controlling them and taking care of them than of their opposites cleinias far more athenian stranger suppose the case of a physician who is willing and able to cure some living thing as a whole how will the whole fare at his hands if he takes care only of the greater and neglects the lesser cleinias certainly not well athenian stranger no better would be the result with pilots or generals or householders or statesmen or any other class if they neglected the small and regarded only the great as the builders say the larger stones do not lie well without the lesser cleinias of course not athenian stranger let us not then deem god inferior to human workmen who in proportion to their skill finish and perfect their works small as well as great by one and the same art or that god the wisest of beings who is willing and able to extend his care to all things like a lazy good-for-nothing wants a holiday and takes no thought of smaller and easier matters but of the greater only cleinias never stranger let us admit such a supposition about the gods which is both impious and false athenian stranger i think that we have now said enough to him who charges the gods with neglect cleinias yes athenian stranger 
he has been forced to acknowledge that he is in error, but he still seems to me to need some consolation. Cleinias, what consolation will you offer him? Athenian stranger, let us say to the youth, the ruler of the universe has ordered all things with a view to the preservation and perfection of the whole, and each part has an appointed state of action and passion, and the smallest action or passion of any part affecting the minutest fraction has a presiding minister, and one of these portions of the universe is thine own, stubborn man, which, however little, has the whole in view, and you do not seem to be aware that this and every other creation is for the sake of the whole, and in order that the life of the whole may be blessed, and that you are created for the sake of the whole, and not the whole for the sake of you. For every physician and every skilled artist does all things for the sake of the whole, directing his effort toward the common good, executing the part for the sake of the whole, and not the whole for the sake of the part. And you are annoyed because you do not see how that which is best for you is, as far as the laws of the creation admit of this, best also for the universe. Now, as the soul, combining first with one body and then with another, undergoes all sorts of changes, either of herself or through the influence of another soul, all that remains to the master of the game is that he should transpose the pieces, sending the better nature to the better place, and the worse into the worse, and so assigning to them their proper portion. Cleinias, how do you mean? Athenian stranger, I am proposing a plan which may be supposed to make the care of all things easy to the gods, for if any one did not form or fashion all things with a view to the whole, if, for example, he formed a living element of water out of fire instead of forming many things out of one, or one out of many, not at random, but in regular order of the first or second or third degree, the transmutation would have been infinite. But now the ruler of the world has a wonderfully easy task. Cleinias. How is that? Athenian stranger. In this way. When the king saw that our actions had life, and that there was much virtue in them, and much vice, and that the soul and body, although not eternal, were indestructible, like the gods of popular opinion, for if either of them had been destroyed, there would have been no generation of animals, and when he observed that the good of the soul was by nature designed to profit men, and the evil to harm them, he, seeing all this, contrived so to place them in each of the parts, that their position might in the easiest and best manner procure the victory of good and the defeat of evil in the whole. And he contrived a general plan by which a thing of a certain nature found a certain seat and room. But the formation of qualities he left to the wills of individuals. For every one of us is made pretty much what he is by the bent of his desires and the nature of his soul. Cleinias. Yes, that is probably true. 
athenian stranger then all things which have a soul change and possess in themselves a principle of change and in changing move according to law and the order of destiny lesser changes of nature move on level ground but greater crimes sink into the abyss that is to say into hades and other places in the world below of which the very names terrify men and about which they dream that they live in them absent from the body and when the soul changes greatly either for the better or worse by her own impulse or the strong influence of others when she has communion with divine virtue and becomes divine she is carried into another and better place which is also divine and perfect in holiness and when she has communion with evil then she also changes the place of her life Quote, for that is the justice of the gods who inhabit heaven o oh, youth or young man who fancy that you are neglected by the gods know that if you become worse you shall go to the worse souls or if better to the better and in every succession of life and death you will do and suffer what like may fitly suffer at the hands of like this is a divine justice which neither you nor any other unfortunate will ever glory in escaping and which the ordaining powers have specially ordained take good heed of them for a day will come when they will take heed of you if thou sayest i am small and will creep into the depths of the earth or i am high and will fly up to heaven you are not so small or so high but that you shall pay the fitting penalty either in the world below or in some yet more savage place still to which thou shalt be conveyed this is also the explanation of the fate of those whom you saw who had done unholy and evil deeds and from small beginnings had become great and you fancied that from being miserable they had become happy and in their actions as in a mirror you seemed to see the universal neglect of the gods not knowing how they make all things work together and contribute to the great whole and thinkest thou bold man that thou shouldst not know this he who knows not this can never see any true form or say any true word touching the happiness or unhappiness of life if cleinias and this reverend company succeed in proving to you that you know not what you say of the gods then will god help you but should you desire to hear more listen to what we say to the third opponent if you have any understanding left in you for i think that we have sufficiently proved the existence of the gods and that they have a care of man that they are appeased by wicked men and take gifts is what i will not allow and what every man should disprove to the utmost of his power cleinias very good let us do as you say athenian stranger well then by the gods themselves i conjure you to tell me if they are to be propitiated how are they to be propitiated who are they 
and what is their nature must not the eternal administrators of heaven be at least rulers cleinias true athenian stranger and to what earthly rulers can they be compared or who to them how in the less can we find an image of the greater are they charioteers of contending pairs of steeds or pilots of vessels perhaps they might be compared to the generals of armies or they might be likened to physicians providing against the strife of bodily disease or to husbandmen observing anxiously the effects of the seasons on the growth of plants or perhaps to shepherds of flocks for as we acknowledge the heaven to be full of many goods and also of evils and of more evils than goods there is as we affirm an immortal conflict going on among us which requires marvellous watchfulness and in that conflict the gods and demigods are our allies and we are their property injustice and insolence and folly are the destruction of us injustice and temperance and wisdom are the salvation of us and the place of these latter is in the life of the gods and of their virtues some vestige may occasionally be discerned among mankind but upon this earth there dwell souls who have an unjust spirit and they like brute animals fawn upon their keepers who may be dogs or shepherds or may be the best and most perfect masters and upon these as the wicked declare they prevail by flattery and prayers and incantations and are allowed to make their gains with impunity and this sin which is termed dishonesty is the same evil as that which is called disease in living bodies or blight in the seasons and in cities and governments has another name which is injustice cleinias quite true athenian stranger that is what he must say who declares that the gods are always lenient to the doers of unjust acts who divide the spoil with them that is as if wolves might be supposed to toss a portion of their prey to the dogs and they mollified by the gift suffer them to tear the flocks what but this will he say who maintains that the gods are to be propitiated cleinias that is what he will say athenian stranger and to whom of the above-mentioned classes of guardians would any man gravely compare the gods will he say that they are like pilots who are themselves turned away from their duty by draughts of wine and the savour of fat and at last overturn both ship and sailors cleinias certainly not athenian stranger and surely they are not like charioteers who are bribed to give up the victory to other chariots cleinias that would be a fearful image of the gods athenian stranger nor are they like generals or physicians or husbandmen or shepherds and no one would compare them to dogs who have been silenced by wolves cleinias do not be profane athenian stranger and are not all the gods the chiefest of all guardians 
and do they not guard our highest interests cleinias yes the chiefest athenian stranger and shall we say that those who guard our noblest interests and are the best of guardians are inferior in virtue to dogs and to men even of moderate excellence who would never betray justice for the sake of gifts which unjust men impiously offer them cleinias certainly not nor is such a notion to be endured and he who holds this opinion may be fairly singled out and characterized as of all impious men the wickedest and most impious athenian stranger then are the three assertions that the gods exist and that they take care of men and that they will not be entreated to injustice now sufficiently demonstrated may we say that they are cleinias you have our entire assent to your words athenian stranger i have spoken with vehemence because i was jealous of evil men and i will tell you dear cleinias what is the reason of my jealousy i would not have them suppose that the wicked having the superiority in argument may do as they like in accordance with their various imaginations about the gods and this zeal has led me to speak more vehemently but if we have at all succeeded in persuading the men to hate themselves and love their opposites the preamble of our laws about impiety will not have been spoken in vain cleinias so let us hope and even if we have failed the style of our argument will not discredit the lawgiver athenian stranger after the preamble shall follow a discourse which will be the interpreter of the law this shall proclaim to all impious persons that they must depart from their ways and go over to the pious and to those who do not obey them let the law about impiety be as follows if a man is guilty of any impiety in word or deed any one who happens to be present shall give information to the rulers in aid of the law and let the rulers who receive the information bring them before the appointed court according to the law and if the magistrate after receiving information refuses to act he shall be tried for impiety at the instance of any one who is willing to vindicate the laws and if he be cast the court shall estimate the punishment of each act of impiety and let all such criminals be imprisoned there shall be three prisons in the state the first of them is to be the common prison in the neighbourhood of the agora for the safekeeping of the generality of offenders another is to be in the neighbourhood of the nocturnal council and is to be called the house of reformation another to be situated in some wild and desolate region in the centre of the country shall be called by some name expressive of retribution now men fall into impiety from three causes which have been already mentioned and from each of these causes arise two sorts of impiety in all six requiring judicial decision but differing greatly in their degree of guilt for he who does not believe in the gods and yet has a righteous nature 
hates the wicked and dislikes and refuses to do injustice and avoids unrighteous men and loves the righteous but they who besides believing that the world is devoid of gods are intemperate and have at the same time good memories and quick wits are worse although both of them are unbelievers much less injury is done by the one than by the other the one may talk loosely about the gods and about sacrifices and oaths and perhaps by laughing at other men he may make them like himself if he be not punished but the other unbeliever who is deemed a superior person is full of stratagem and deceit men of this class are prophets and jugglers of all sorts and out of their ranks sometimes come tyrants and demagogues and generals and hierophants of private mysteries and the ingenuities of so-called sophists of these there may be altogether many kinds but two only for whom legislation is required one the hypocritical sort whose crime is deserving of death many times over the other having need of bonds and admonition in like manner also the notion that the gods take no thought of men produces two other sorts of crimes and the notion that they may be propitiated produces two more assuming these divisions let those who have been made what they are only from want of understanding and not from malice or an evil nature be placed by the judge in the house of reformation and ordered to suffer imprisonment during a period of not less than five years and in the meantime let them have no intercourse with the other citizens except with members of the nocturnal council and with them let them converse touching the improvement of their soul's health and when the time of their imprisonment has expired if any of them be of sound mind let him be restored to sane company but if not and if he be condemned a second time let him be punished with death as to that class of monstrous natures who not only believe that there are no gods or that they are negligent or to be propitiated but conjure the souls of the living and say that they can conjure the dead and promise to charm the gods with sacrifices and prayers and will utterly overthrow whole houses and states for the sake of money let him who is guilty of any of these things be condemned by the judge to be bound according to law in the prison which is in the centre of the land and let no free man ever approach him but let him receive the rations of food appointed by the magistrates from the hands of slaves and when he is dead let him be cast out of the borders unburied and if any free man assist in burying him let him pay the penalty of impiety to any one who is willing to bring a suit against him but if he leaves behind him children who are fit to be citizens let the guardians of orphans take care of them just as they would of any other orphans from the day that their father was convicted in all these cases there should be one law which will make men in general less liable to transgress in word or deed and less foolish because they will not be allowed to practise religious rites contrary to law and let this 
be the simple form of the law. No man shall have sacred rites in a private house, but when he is disposed to sacrifice, let him place his offerings in the hands of the priests and priestesses who have under their care the holy rite, and let him pray himself, and let any one who pleases join with him in prayer. The reason of this is as follows. Gods and temples are not easily established, and to establish them rightly is the work of a mighty intellect, and women especially, and men too, when they are sick, or in danger, or in any sort of difficulty, or again, on their receiving any good fortune, have a way of consecrating the occasion, offering up prayers and sacrifices, and promising statues to gods, demigods, and sons of gods. And when they are awakened by terrible apparitions, and have dreams, or remember visions, they find in altars and temples the remedies of them, and will fill every house and village with them, placing them in the open air, or in any chance place. And, with a view to all these cases, we should act as the law enacts. The law has also regard to the impious, and would not have them fancy that by the secret performance of these actions, by raising temples and altars in private houses, they can propitiate the gods secretly with sacrifices and prayers, while they are really multiplying their crimes infinitely, bringing guilt from heaven upon themselves, and also upon those who permit them, who are better men than they are, and the consequence is that the whole state reaps the fruit of their impiety, which in a certain sense is deserved. Assuredly, God will not blame the legislator. Let this, then, be the language of the law. No one shall possess shrines of the gods in private houses, and he who is found to possess them and perform any sacred rites not publicly authorized, supposing the offender to be some man or woman who is not guilty of any other great and impious crime, shall be informed against by him who is acquainted with the fact, which shall be announced by him to the guardians of the law, and let them issue orders that he or she should carry away his private rights to the public temples, and if they do not persuade them, let them inflict a penalty on them until they comply. And if a person be proven guilty of impiety, not merely from childish levity, but such as grown-up men may be guilty of, whether he have sacrificed publicly or privately to any gods, let him be punished with death, for he has offered impure sacrifices. And whether the deed has been done in earnest or only from childish levity, let the guardians of the law determine before they prosecute the offender for impiety. End of Book 10 Recording in memory of Mitchell Edwards